for listening to Hope Central's latest message. You can learn more about Hope Central or find more messages at hopecentral.org.au. right into it. So this year, I'm just going to move some papers though because I'm a bit worried about tripping on them, sorry. This year we've been talking about being a healthy church, right? That's our theme for the year. So I decided to look online to to get some healthy tips, right? We all need to know how to be healthy. And according to my research, simply wearing exercise gear, hence the yoga pants today, makes you feel like you're more healthy. Apparently, if you buy expensive exercise gear, you feel even more healthy. It's great, isn't it? So, you know, it's kind of curious. Today I'm talking about the illusion of control. And I think one of the areas that has interested and fascinated me is the the area of wellness in our culture. I think wellness is the most overused word in our English language right now. Everything's about wellness. And I think it it draws us because it's the desire for us to be in control of our health or our environment. I think the problem is it's another thing for us to obsess over. It's hard to not obsess over it sometimes, isn't it? And it's not surprising we're focusing on wellness because... We've had a lot of anxiety in our culture and trying to manage that is just a natural part of what's going on and wellness just goes right into that mix. So we are actually more anxious and less sure of ourselves and wellness is another tool and another lever for us to control, right? For some of us. I went through my own wellness challenge about a year ago that I could not sleep. I'm a massive sleeper. I have the gift of sleep. I sleep anywhere other than on a plane. I, I couldn't sleep for two to four hours every night. I would wake up. Has anyone else been there? Two o'clock, rats scurrying. And I would be awake from two, maybe sometimes I'd be awake until the alarm went off. And I, I did what I could. I Googled, I did all the sleep strategies, I listened to wellness sleep podcasts, I did a whole layer of things, but I could not defeat this wellness challenge that I was having and I had to go to a doctor and a doctor had to defeat it because I needed some support. It's a funny thing, isn't it, because when you can't sleep, you get more anxious about not being able to sleep and as soon as you're awake, you you worry and scurry and your brain keeps going. See, the problem is with all the gadgets that are out there and all the information we can get, and we can have a sleep tracker, a fitness tracker, a heart rate tracker, does that make us less anxious or does this make you more anxious? Because you become very aware that any second something can go wrong. I wear a regular watch for that very reason. See, the information all these gadgets is another thing that we use as a lever of control. 
it makes us more anxious, I think. So maybe a good question for you. What are you doing with your, your tech? See, the wellness industry is so out of control and it is so dysregulated. There is no regulation around the use of the word wellness. I listened to a podcast about it and you can slap wellness on anything. It's ridiculous. This is wellness. Sticking a piece of paper with wet stuff on your face. It is a bloke. Horseback yoga, also wellness. What? What is happening? What is happening? Must be a big class to get all those horses in. See, there's so much information out there, but I think that's the problem. The problem is there's so much information and we are so out of control. We are grabbing for more information, which is making us more anxious, but I guess my question for us today is why are we grabbing for so much information? The desire to know more has been with us from the very beginning. God talks to Adam. Genesis 2, 15 to 17 says, The Lord took the man into the garden to take care of it. You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. That's clear. Got it? Would you get that message from God? Yep, yep. I've got a light poking me in the eye. Genesis 3 says, The serpent talked to Eve and said, Did God really say that? The woman quoted God. You must not eat from the tree in the middle of the garden And you must not touch it or you will die. Satan then says, God knows when you eat of it, you will be like God. Eve looked at the fruit and saw that it looked good and also was desirable for gaining wisdom. That's not in Coles, is it? Are you looking at that fruit? I don't know what that looked like, but all right. And so she ate some. See, in this story, in the very beginning, even when everything was perfect, the desire for knowledge and control was already there. In the very beginning. She didn't have to do anything. She only had to do one thing, and that was not touch the tree. I think it's really compelling, isn't it? Knowledge is power, but too much knowledge is disempowering because it's overwhelming. Welcome to the modern age. Have you ever heard of global fatigue? Do you know what that is? Global care fatigue, it's called sometimes. See, we now live in a world where as soon as something happens, we hear about it instantly. Remember the Turkey earthquakes? I put a, 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 you know, I mean, that's an upsetting image, but I could have put a lot more upsetting images up there because they are instantly in our face, aren't they? We no longer have to wait for the 6 pm news or, um, you know, the paper. We used to have to wait for the paper or before that, some kind of telegram or public notice. We get to see things absolutely as they happen. So much knowledge everywhere. 
But are we better off because we've got so much instant knowledge? Or is that another thing that puts us on high alert? God said to Adam, stay away from the tree that can give you the knowledge of everything. Stay away from it. If God warned you to stay away from the platform that would give you knowledge to everything, would you? Or is it too entertaining, too tempting, or you might miss out? Do we need as much information as we're getting? See, God in the garden was looking for obedience and Adam and Eve were looking for control. What we forget is God's restrictions are about what's good for us. We think we know better. We think we can figure it out. But God has plans for us and as soon as we go off those plans, we aren't following his will. Mark 7. What comes out of a man makes him unclean. Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach. See, what that scripture is saying, it's not about the stuff that goes in. It's about what comes out. Because where does that come from? It comes from here, doesn't it? I've got a few questions for us today. Let's look at these. How much can you control? What do you do when you lose control? What do we lose by trying to be in control? Are we ever in control? As we headed to Canada, we had to take three flights and we um, were going to visit Joe's family. Joe's dad at that point was in a coma and we didn't know if we'd get there to see him. So we got to the airport and had a long delay in Adelaide. We arrive in Sydney for them to tell us we are not getting on the plane. We had missed the plane, even before we'd got off the first one. We had missed the plane and we um, would have to stay overnight and arrive a whole 18 hours later. We were distraught. You know, this is the difference between perhaps seeing Dad alive and him not being alive when we got there. And we... We were upset, of course, so we went to Qantas, thank you very much, Terminal, and said, look, this is the situation, our dad is passing away, we might miss him if we don't get on this flight, and we were met with a, we can't do anything. What a horrible feeling, horrible feeling. So we got on the shuttle bus and got put in a hotel, which was fine, and at 12 o'clock I saw Joe's phone light up. And we looked at the phone and it was his brother and we rang them back and Joe's dad had passed away. We missed him. Have you ever felt like you're out of control? Have you ever really got it that you've got no control over anything? Sometimes we don't. Things are out of control. So we... I know that seems like it's really bad and we did behave well at the airport, I'm going to say. We did behave well. And we... We thought about it for a moment and realised if we had got the plane, because the flight is so long, we would have actually missed hearing that Joe's dad had passed away. We would have got on the plane and he would have passed away a whole day before. 
So having missed our flight meant we could actually have a conversation, know what we were walking into because that would have been a shock after an, you know, 15-hour plane ride to find out he'd already passed yesterday. But we actually knew when we got there and that actually gave us more peace. We are not in control, but God is. So we were okay. See, problems and pressures are everywhere, aren't they? Sometimes it's health, it's a job loss, it can be a whole range of things. You know, there's, there's so much we can't control. I think that makes us obsess over the things we can control, like our wellness. You know, we can't control the world, but we can control obsessively washing our hands. You know, it just it's everywhere, isn't it? See, the answer to this issue is always vertical, Do you run to God when you need help? Do you? Listen to what Jesus said about how we respond to anxiousness and what God has done. See, this verse corrects, but it also points out to what God has done better. Matthew 6. Do we clicky? There we go. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labour or spin. God is my refuge. This is my retreat picture. This reminds me that God is in control. All those flowers need to do is their job. I don't control the water. I don't control the, the seed. I don't control the soil. And I don't control the sun, but God does. We don't need to worry like we worry. See, flowers are beautiful and they look creative, don't they? Like, I mean, what a beautiful image that is. So what's being creative got to do with what I'm talking about today as we're talking about creativity? In Genesis 2, we see that God... Oh, sorry, a bit quick. We see that God is creative. Bronnie's already seen this picture. And in Je- we see that God does all kinds of things. Like He created the heavens and the earth, right, at the same time. We just know what the earth looks like. And I'm saying it's like the B side of the vinyl. I don't know what the A side looks like, but it's better than this. So something good is coming, right? We know that. We're going we're going to the A side, not the bonus tracks, right? So God, God worked with Adam and right in the beginning, and he let him name the animals. Like, he didn't need to let him do anything, but God was teaching him to be creative, I believe. And he, you know, he worked alongside him and helped him pick names. I don't know what we call things, what we do, but we do. Genesis 3, 7, we know the story of Adam and Eve betraying God, right? And they panicked. So what did they do in their panic? They made something. And I believe that that's probably what it looked like. They are actually fig leaves. I don't know what you've seen pictures of with the one leaf here and the one leaf there. If I was making an outfit, there'd be a lot more cover. (laughs) See, they got creative, didn't they? As soon as they panicked, they got creative. Control is about limiting our possibilities. Think about that for a second. Control is about limiting our possibilities. Creativity is about working with a palette that you were given to make something new. Think about that. You, as a creative, work with a palette you were given to make something new. 
B-side, A-side. Yeah. See, being creative and being in control are absolute opposites. They are not the same thing. They are opposite. The search for control is running our lives. It really is. It's ruining our lives. It's making our world smaller. It's causing us damage. Let's have a look at what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 11. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in the mother's womb, you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Sow your seed in the morning and at evening let your hands not be idle, for you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. See, the problem is when we don't have control, we remove risk and we make our lives smaller. You worry about your safety, your hygiene, your diet, your time management, your resources, and Solomon says you can't figure it out. You just don't know what it's going to be like. Confidence comes from trusting God. It does not come from your control. Giving only bits in a, in a stingy way, that's the opposite of having freedom. I want to talk to you about something. I've got it up the back here. This is my Wonder Woman doll. She's in my office. Derek, we did this as a, a kid's exercise in Sunday school one day. She uh, is in mint condition. She's been on my bookshelf probably 12 years Problem is, she's still in the box. What have you got that's still in the box? Does it matter she's in mint condition? Not really. She's worth about $12, I think. What have you got that you are controlling and not getting out of the box? Yeah. Just want to read to you from Matthew, the parable of the talents. We've talked about this quite a bit. The man who was given one talent chose to bury it rather than take a chance on failing with it. He came forward saying, Master, I knew you were a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. Gave it back in a stingy way, right? Matthew says, in verse in 16, says, Whoever saves his life will lose it. Whoever will lose his life for my sake will find it. If you want to save your life, you have to lose it. You have to lose it. God has provided an order and things will turn out, but you have to trust him. You being in control means you're missing your creative potential. Luke 6.38 says, give and it will be given to you. 2 Corinthians 9 talks about God loving an unrestrained giver. See, the problem is, as you control your time, your talents, your health and all those things, you put up walls and you maybe are staying in a box that you need to get out of. So my prayer for us today is that we are generous with our time, our talents and what God has in store for us. So my question for you guys is, what does your version of creative look like? We've seen Tony's version of creative, creative with numbers, giving his gift, creativity. 
What does your version look like? It looks probably quite different to mine. We all start off creative. We start off that way, but we lose it if we don't use it. You can't use up your creativity. The more you have, the more you, ha- the more you use, the more you have, don't you? We all know that. This is a picture of my house and Joe's house. We're not homeless. That's where we live. When we bought that house, we bought it because we wanted to free up our finances. We didn't want to have a mortgage anymore. So we sold our lovely house that we'd raised our children in and we bought that to live in. That was a deli. It's now a house. I I guess the thing that we found interesting was we are creative people and we thought, we are kind of clever too, we thought we would figure it out. We've got some building experience, we'll work it out. But the weird thing is as we gave control over giving up a beautiful house and buying this ridiculous looking house, we found so much joy in the process. We found joy giving it up. It, it, just so you know, it looks like that now. It's okay. We, you know, it looks fine now. But I just think it's interesting as we gave up that need for that beautiful house and lived in this, we found more freedom and we've been so blessed. I want to talk to you about Esther just quickly. So Esther's in the Bible because she was a young woman who found herself in a privileged position, but she risked death. She was married to the king in this massive harem, but she saw the distress of her people. So what she did was she creatively made a way to speak to him without losing her own life. She not only saved her uncle Mordecai, she also saved her people. She was a person that did not sit on her backside in this beautiful privileged position, but she used her position to change people's lives. She saved others because of it. I want that to be my story. I want my story to make a difference. And I I reckon you guys do too. I reckon you do. See, we grow when we are uncomfortable, when we're put under pressure. Is this you? This All the young adults need to move out now. I'm just kidding. I'm not saying that really. See, the story of Jesus in the wilderness, we know that that's where Jesus grew, don't we? It's the story of the discomfort and the challenge that causes us to grow. And we know in the parable of the soil, the good soil, the good seed does something when it hears a word, uh, you know, or reads the word, he actually applies it to their lives. So my prayer is that you apply this to your life today, that you find good fruit in this. See, are we managing to feel in control rather than feel uncomfortable? I think sometimes we do. Comfort is such a high priority in the Western culture The biggest problem is our need to control. It affects our faith too because we want to put God in a box at times. When I became a Christian in 1987, I was 17, I was convinced, I remember having this conversation with my mum, my mum, I was convinced I would have to be a missionary, which is laughable really. You could either be, I gave my heart to Jesus, you either were a pastor or a missionary. I didn't have anything else in my head. I went with missionary, I don't know. See, what happened in that moment was I 
gave my life to Jesus. I gave it. I did not take it back and I had no intention ever taking it back, nor have I ever. I gave my life to Jesus and he was going to do something with it. But it's not like that anymore, is it? Are you noticing something in our culture? Just read this book and he starts with this question. Do we have a cultural problem? Yes, we do. This book is called Killer Church by Nathan Pinocchio. Rhymes with Pinocchio, very handy. And he talks about Christianity in our culture is part of your brand kit. It is not you're all in, dying for every moment, giving your life to Jesus. It is part of your holistic, I am this, I do this, I do a little bit of Christian, I have a, you know, have a faith, but I have all these other things as well. It's not your first necessarily. Our culture is so casual about its faith. It is not like even like, you know, when you see Instagram, people do like a cross or a, you know, like that's, it's not your Instagram tag. It's not your t-shirt. It's every second of the day you are a Jesus follower first or you are not. You are not. It's your call. See, I think the problem is self-development, and Nathan talks about this in the book. We're on first names, Nathan and I. I don't know him, but it's easy in the other one. Self-development has become more important than growing in Christ. We must become the greatest version of ourselves in every area of our lives. Believing in a loving God who lets you do what you want is very popular. It is true. No, it's true. The pushback is people don't want to talk about hell anymore. And people don't want to talk about that they might have sin. That's the bit that people are chucking out. People have selected pieces of Christianity rather than embraced the whole of Christianity. I'm not talking about here. I'm talking this is, this is everywhere. But the truth is Christianity is a give your life over to Jesus and let him take control of a commitment. That's what Christianity is. It's not a brand. It's a lifelong commitment. Nathan says... Jesus is not your desperate boyfriend. He's not this needy God waiting for you to do something. He is a holy God full of grace and power and he wants you to be like him. He wants you to be like him. If we're just living lives of control, we are missing out on our destiny. This is absolutely a message for every one of us. Me included. You want to see what my prayer journal says. It's got control in it, like every second line, honestly. I've just finished reading a book by Mark Sayers also, and it's a book called A Non-Anxious Presence. And he asks this question. Can we be a non-anxious presence in an extremely anxious world? I think that's a great question. Can we, you and me people that love Jesus, can we be a non-anxious presence in an extremely anxious world? Yes, but only if Jesus is in control and you understand that you are called to be a priest, not a consumer. You are a minister of the gospel. You are, not just me, 
not just that guy there and that one there. You are a minister of the gospel. I want you to take that on board today. I want you to hear that in your heart. Sheep. I thought that was my best illustration. What we know about sheep is sheep are settled when their shepherd is settled. Can you be a non-anxious presence in your environment? Absolutely you can. You can come into your family, your workplace, whatever situation is around you, and if you can be settled and place yourself in that environment, you can help people to not be anxious. But if you're your own shepherd, it's all going to depend on you. We need to understand that we are Jesus walking into the environment and we can bring a peace, but we've got to find it first. You've got to be centred before you can share that with someone else. I learnt pretty quickly that I cannot control pretty much anything. I'm a grandparent. That's like another level of no control. There's like a new level of worry. I didn't even know. Things I didn't worry about with my kids, now you're worried about all the time. It's really, it's strange. Just want to mention something to you. This is called agency. I've done a lot of reading, so you guys get all the the show notes, we call them. Agency is when God is in control, but you make choices to make things go better. For example, you might make financial choices so you've got some freedom. So when you need to do something for the Lord, you don't have to say, well, I've got to work. I've got to work all the time. I've got to work so much. That's agency, making choices to set yourself up to be used more. Do you do that? I'm certainly trying. It's creating space for God to use you, but you've got to make space. You've got to look after your health because if you're really unwell, you know, you're not going to recover quickly if you haven't been looking after your health. Things like that. Just look after yourself. Make good choices. Be a good example. Because trying to control things only makes things worse, but making space makes things better. Christianity is about pursuing God's desires, not your own. It's not. Because Jesus is my future, he's my living hope, and my hope is a person and his name is Jesus. Can you say that today? Is that your story today? See, we will be a dangerous church if we can take our obsession off ourselves and our families and focus on Christ first. He's full of grace, he's holy, and we need to seek him earnestly. See, church is not about you, and it's not about me, surprisingly. That was a joke. But our job as individuals is to be priests. We are called to be priests. So because our need for control means that we're not living like the priests that we're supposed to be. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. See, the weird thing about priests in the Bible that I've read is priests don't seem to be super talented. You know what they do? It's a lot about what they wear. Ephods, this, that. It's a lot about the outfits. What priests do, I hope Joe's okay with that. I don't know if that's actually true or not, but that's what I felt when I read it. What priests do is they give offerings, they sacrifice, they minister to people and they give away stuff. Can you guys do that? 
I reckon you can. I reckon we all can. Can we give offerings? Can we sacrifice to God? Can we minister to each other and give away stuff? I reckon that's us. See, God's vision for our life is not that you're wearing fitness gear so you look like you're exercised. His vision is you do something. We're not in costume. We're working out what we need to do. I want our church to be a place that Satan knows he's got a problem. Did you hear that? I want to be a church that Satan knows he's got a problem. Not because of me, but because every one of you have realised that you're a priest and you have the potential to do a whole range of things you didn't remember you could do because you're creative. The best tool to resist control is prayer. Absolutely, it's prayer. Prayer is acknowledging that God is God and you are not. I'll write that on the top of my notebook this week, geez. The one who is in control, who takes care of all that we cannot, who cares for us, that is God. So we're going to finish in a different way today. I'm going to get Noah to come up if that's okay and just play some keys. If you're comfortable, I would like everyone to stand with me um, in a second. Just wait a second. And we're going to pray two very, very short prayers. But they are very practical. And if they are heartfelt, you will bring tears to your Lord's eyes. I'm absolutely serious. And the two things we're going to pray is... Give me, I'm going to put it on the screen. I'll put the first one on so you can see where we're going. The first prayer we're going to pray earnestly in our hearts is, give me today my daily bread. We are going to acknowledge the needs we have. We have needs. That's reality. We've got people that are very ill, people that need financial breakthrough. We have lots of things, but we have needs. And that's great. God wants to know those needs. So we're going to just say that and we're going to let that sit in our spirit. And then the other thing we're going to pray is, and your will be done. That's you giving up control. That's you saying, God, this is your way, not my way. We're going to do that together. And if you don't know Jesus, if this is not your story today, please come and see me or Ash. We would love to help you know that you have eternal life in Jesus Christ today. So would you mind just standing with me? That would be really great. All you priests, everyone, stand up. Great. No ephods on. I don't even know what an ephod is, but okay. All right. Just settle your hearts. You are having a conversation with God right now. Just invite him into your heart, into your space. Make some space for him. Thank you, Lord. And will you say with me, give me today daily bread. Ready? Give me today daily bread. Lord, meet our needs. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Just going to ask you to say the next line with me. Your will be done. Only say it if you're ready. Your will be done. Oh, Jesus, have your will in this place. Have your way. Have your will in my life. And all those that call you Lord, thank you, Lord. 
Lord Jesus, we come to you with open hearts in this moment and we just ask your will be done in our lives. Lord, we hand back the control that we so readily grab and we pray for a confidence and a creative spirit like we've never had before. Holy Spirit, move through us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you want more information about who we are, visit us at hopecentral.org.au or join us for Sunday worship at any of our three campuses.